for joining us for another informative, educational, and entertaining edition of Music and Medicine with Dr. Charles Modlin, kidney transplant surgeon, board-certified urologist, public speaker, and well-known community national leader for the elimination of health disparities, dedicated to informing you, the listening audience, about important health topics and health information that you, your family, and your community need to know while at the same time providing you with quality entertainment because music and entertainment is medicine. Dr. Marlin's co-hosts are Jerome Brown and registered nurse Jonathan Branch. And the program often includes special content expert guests. So, without further ado, here's the host of the show, Dr. Charles Marlin. Hello, everybody out there in the listening audience. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Music and Medicine. That's M-U-Z-I-C, Music and Medicine. I'd like to thank our announcer, Mr. William Reed. Uh, he's a professional voice, voiceover artist, and um, he's available for uh, doing voice, voiceover for uh, anybody who's interested. Uh, his email is R-E-I-D-B. Um, 117 at gmail.com. So that's uh, Mr. William Reed. We, we actually have an outstanding uh, and a very important show um, uh, this evening. The, the topic the topic is going to be on gun violence, urban violence, uh, and trauma. It, it's a topic um, that, unfortunately, we, we need to cover. It, it's it's uh, not necessarily a, a pleasant topic. Actually, in fact, it is it is not a pleasant topic. But it's very important. It's a topic that we that we not ignore. Um, and I just wanted to. We have some uh, very important guests on the show. Um, uh, but I wanted to first start by just highlighting some statistics uh, related to violence and the injury data report uh, for the city of Cleveland between the years of 2017 and 2021. So some of the key findings. And there's many, I'm not going to go into all of them, but there was a 76% increase in gunshot wounds, wound hospitalization or hospital visits between 2019 and 2020. Uh, gunshot wounds more likely or more likely to affect and afflict Cleveland residents uh, who are black male and between the ages of 18 and 29 years of age. Cleveland EMS, Emergency Medical Services, is most likely to be dispatched to the following zip codes, 44101, 44105, and 44102. Uh, these are inner city zip codes of uh, Cleveland. Uh, gunshot fatalities in Cleveland um, proper are increasing and are already nearly four times the national average that is listed on the CDC Centers for Disease Control webpage. Some more um, Ohio Vital Statistics data <clears throat> Uh, there was a stable homicide by firearm rate of roughly 35.4 homicides per 100,000 residents between the years 2017 and 2019. However, in 2020, this increased by 42% to 52.8 homicides per 100,000 residents and remained high in 2021. Uh, homicides by firearm make up 86% of the homicides in Cleveland. Um, then we get into uh, assaults in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland averaged 704 assault-related hospital visits each year between 2017 
2021, blacks res black residents were, were more likely to present to an emergency department compared to white residents. Um, the um, assault-related emergency department visits for Cleveland residents peaks at age 25. Um, <clears throat> domestic violence uh, statistics, hospital visits increased by 256 percent in 2020 for Cleveland residents of all ages, races, and genders. Uh, white females ages 18 to 29 were most likely uh, affected. Um, so this is just startling uh, data and startling statistics. Um, we we get, go more into um, um, gunshot wounds. Wounds, again, were highest amongst residents 18 to 24 years old, followed by residents 25 to 29. All age groups in, experienced an increase in gunshot wound hospitalizations beginning, beginning in the year 2020. Uh, the group with the biggest increase, 81%, was the uh, age group 25 to 29. Um, homicides, um, you know, we talked about how there's an increasing percentage or rate of homicides. Um, so, again, we're, we're going to talk about this subject and, and talk about what can be done and, and some things that are actually being done uh, in the city of Cleveland. We have some uh, remarkable guests with us this evening. Um, we're going to bring on um, Megan Simpson. She's the director of the Trauma Recovery Center at the Metro Health System uh, here in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, Megan joined Metro Health, uh, the Metro System, in the spring of 2016. Uh, she earned a bachelor's of arts in degree in so sociology at the University of Mount Union, a master's in education in uh, clinical mental health counseling from the University of Akron. She's a licensed professional counselor social worker and marriage family therapist. So um, with that in mind, we'd like to bring um, Megan Simpson to the platform, Director of Trauma Recovery Cer uh, Center at the Metro Health System. Yeah, Metro, thanks, or uh, Megan, thanks for joining us. Of course, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much, Dr. Modlin. Yeah, so remarkable work that, you know, you and your team are doing um, at Metro. I, I just saw a press release recently um, your center was actually uh, recognized, nationally recognized for, for the work you're doing in support of victims of, um, of crime uh, here in Cleveland, Northeast Ohio. Um, can you tell us a little, bit about, about, a little bit about your center, the work that you're doing over at Metro Health and, and the impact that you're having? Yes, of course. Um, so yes, we were recently a recipient of the Victims of Crime um, Act grant that is a federal a grant in and of itself from federal dollars, uh, but is awarded by the um, Ohio Attorney General's Office, so uh, Dave Yost. Um, we've actually been a recipient of this grant uh, since 2017, and this funding um, in 2017 was looking to establish trauma, the Trauma Recovery Center model uh, in the state of Ohio. Um, the model itself started actually in the state of California, California at University of California, San Francisco Hospital. And it uh, was a model at the time that the Attorney uh, General, uh, Mike DeWine, who is now our governor, um, wanted to bring to the state of Ohio. So we are actually one of um, eight TRCs, we say for short, in the state of Ohio, and the only one that is embedded uh, within a, a hospital system in Northeast Ohio. The uh, TRC model, prioritizes a comprehensive care and healing for survivors of uh, trauma and rebuilding their lives after traumatic injury. A lot of our work happens within the hospital, 
um, pre predominantly right when someone comes to the emergency department and then all the way through up to uh, discharge. And so we have a team of recovery coaches that provide emotional support either directly to um, that that victim, or I like to say survivor of violence in real time, or if that individual is um, really medically unable to because of their injuries, we're providing that support directly to loved ones at bedside. So a lot of our work is spent um, in crisis intervention and really allowing uh, the survivor and their family to guide us through the process. We do not come in saying, um, you know, these are the things you need, X, Y, and Z. We really are there to say, what do you need? And if you can't think of that in this moment, we are here to listen. Mm -hmm. And we are here to um, really be a guiding hand throughout their entire recovery. Uh, so this doesn't mean that just because someone is discharged from the hospital, that the rapport that's built amongst our team members actually has to to stop. Obviously, we are always getting, um, unfortunately, new admissions yeah. of victims of violence, and it has been increasing. But we really try to stay connected with those survivors because we know um, a lot of the work and realization of the impact of the um, injuries, not only to that specific survivor, but their family members and their loved ones, uh, that impact really starts to be highlighted once they leave our hospital walls. So we ensure that we try to be that lifeline mm -hmm. there for them. Um, and then we recently actually were able to receive a grant to bring on um, a dedicated mental health therapist to provide outpatient therapies, specifically focusing on um, post-traumatic stress disorder uh, modalities right after um, experiencing of being a victim of violence. So that's yeah. something... Just yeah, that, that, that's incredible work. And I, I can tell you, I, I um, as a surgeon, I, I actually trained, I, I, I did my internship and residency at New York University, which included um, rotating over at Bellevue over a six year period. Mm -hmm. uh, Bellevue Hospital, which is actually uh, in, right there in New York City, uh, Manhattan, it's the, old, the nation's oldest uh, hospital, by the way. But yeah, but we were a level one trauma center, the busiest uh, trauma center in New York City. And, and I, you know, worked there in the ER and on the trauma team. I experienced um, a lot of patients coming in with gunshot wounds, stabbings, um, all, all, all sorts of trauma. Um, and I can tell you, we did not have any such program that you that you're leading at, at Metro Health Trauma Recovery Services. I mean, we patch people up, we operate under them, discharge them, hoping that they, you know, would not return. Unfortunately, we did see uh, many individuals return. Um, when was this program started at, at the Trauma Recovery Center at Metro? So officially it was started in 2017 with that funding okay. from the Attorney General's office. Okay. So how many people do you have on your team that, that, that work uh, in your center? So uh, our team is made up of 12, including myself. Uh, but we majority of our team is made up of those recovery coaches that are providing that direct support right then and there. So you, you mentioned that whenever a patient would would come into the emergency room, they don't actually have to ask for your services. You're, you're actually automatically or consulted to, to uh, yes. go speak with a family of the patient. Yes, we okay. uh, 
we actually scan uh, the the boards in the hospital for the emergency department, but then also every morning we're looking at uh, the new admissions specifically to our trauma um, burn and orthopedic units, because that's a lot of times where um, survivors of violence end up being admitted to. Hmm. So our uh, team of surgeons actually do not even have to put in a consult. We are a standard of care um, within those units. And if there's someone that uh, we may have unfortunately missed within the system, we, we will go see them and happily help in whatever way we can. Do you um, help provide services to children, victim, you know, childhood or children who have, or victims of trauma? Yes. Yes. So okay. we actually work um, in conjunction with our child life specialists that are dedicated to our pediatric unit. Uh, so we make sure that we're not duplicating efforts. My team is um, especially skilled in providing information um, specific to victims' rights advocates mm -hmm. and advocacy. Uh, so navigating also the compensation paperwork that's administered through the state of Ohio. A lot of times we are working directly with survivors um, or, or parents, if it's a, a minor, of, of filling out that paperwork, how to get your medical records, Hmm. where to scan things to, because it is a lot of um, legal jargon that not every person is familiar with that we are still learning in that process as well. Um, hmm. But we try to alleviate some of that ad added stress so individuals can really focus on their healing. Do you, um, are you, I, I know, I mean, I've heard, you know, nationwide hospitals uh, are understaffed with nurses and other um, caregivers, um, how's your staffing? Are you looking to add additional staff at all? Is that something you're looking to expand? Yes. So we're always looking to add to our staffing levels, especially um, in the realm of our mental health clinicians. Our recovery mm -hmm. coaches a lot of times are mainly focused on just the new admissions that are unfortunately, constantly coming in. And so I'm really looking to build that continuum of care and recovery hmm. uh, for survivors in that once they do leave our hospital walls, and you do not have to be a Metro Health patient to engage with our team either. Oh, oh. Um, so anyone from the community can contact our, our group, and we are more than happy to help them. So how would they reach, how would they reach your group? How would an individual or family reach your group? So we have a um, main email address. It's just trc at metrohealth.org. Uh, and then we have our main uh, phone number that's 216-778-8199. Uh, those are usually the main mechanisms that folks get in contact with us from the community. Okay. So trc at metrohealth.org and 216-778-8199. Um, here's an important question. Um, how, how does one become a recovery care coordinator? What, what, what type of educational requirements or, or training is needed? So we have all of our, reco our recovery coaches are predominantly uh, trained or have a background in either um, social work or mental health counseling or public health. It sort of depends. Um, and we also ensure that all of our recovery coaches go through a, a victim advocate training that's provided by the Office of Victims of Crime Unit um, so that no one is uh, coming in unfamiliar with what uh, the process of a victim has to go through in the state of Ohio. So question, I mean, you, you guys are seeing these trauma victims on a daily basis. How do you 
and your team psychologically cope and, and not get burned out? And, and I mean, it's a lot of stress that you're going through on a daily basis. It is. So, it is. So, and yeah. a lot of our um, providers or team members become really involved in this type of work because they either have had their own shared lived experiences um, or, you know, the passion. And so that's something that myself um, as leadership and also um, our manager, Chanel Harris, we have to be extremely mindful of that uh, checking in with our staff, um, really offering space to debrief after tough cases, um, because some cases are very much uh, closely hits closely home to either their lived experience or just something that's going on um, with their own individual lives. Mm -hmm. I ensure every Friday uh, we have a huddle every morning to review new admissions, but every Friday I um, always encourage my staff to, in our huddle, share something that they are going to do for them over the weekend uh, to really push the narrative that self-care is something we need to um, talk about that just attending a webinar or something, it's its not enough. We need to infuse it into our day-to-day -day lives. If we are going to continue um, to help others, we have to also help ourselves in this process. So I'm just reading some some information about the grant and talking about the work, you know, of, of your center. Um, it says in 2022, the TRC um, Trauma Recovery Center served a record 1,646 survivors of violence mm -hmm. compared to a little over a thousand survivors in gun-related deaths between 2015 and 2020. Um, gun-related deaths surpassed motor vehicle accidents in individuals 19 years, um, under 19 years old for the first time. Yep. Uh, wow, I mean, that, that's an incredible amount of uh, trauma that you're seeing there. Uh, actually, you, you made a very important point that you don't have to be a mental health patient to, to access your services. I, I think that's very important to know. The other thing, you know, I, I've, I've um, and a lot of us understand, um, you know, you more than, than the most of us, uh, a lot of this is, is passed down generation to generation. Um, for, for example, when a young child or, or young person actually um, sees their, their family member, their parent, guardian, or family member of become a victim of trauma, it causes psychological trauma in them that, that may take years to heal. Um, so we need to recognize how trauma affects not only the um, victim you know, themselves, but also their, their, their family members uh, and other members in the community. Yes, you're, you're right. And there was actually a recent publication, I think, as of earlier this week in Health Affairs um, that, were look at, that was looking at uh, youth who had a survived firearm injury hmm. and how there was a 117% increase in pain disorders, a 68% increase in psychiatric disorders, and a 144% increase in substance use disorders within the first year compared to those who had not experienced a gunshot wound. But then the uh, researchers even went further uh, to look at um, how this impacts the entire entire family. And they found that uh, mothers and siblings of those survivors actually ended up having fewer routine office visits, procedures, and lab tests um, compared to families who had not um, experienced violence and that the psychiatric disorders among parents of survivors increased by a third in the aftermath of yeah. their child being a victim. 
And so I do believe it's a emerging um, area to look to look at and pay attention because we see it at bedside of just the horrific ripple effects that a, a violent injury or episode have. It goes so much further beyond, quote unquote, your pa- your patient. Yeah. No, that, that's uh, very true. And, and again, something that all healthcare providers, all members of society need to become aware of. Um, I, I, I read something here. Um, it, it says um, education level is a protective factor against being a victim of homicide by a firearm. Between 2017 and 2021, 87% of homicide victims were Cleveland residents with a high school degree or less and 6% started but did not complete college. Approximately 3% have a post-secondary degree. So it, it kind of um, is a vicious cycle. And I, I mentioned a lot of the uh, the zip codes that are, are more uh, prone to, to uh, be victimized by, by uh, violence. Um, I, I wanted um, to bring on uh, one of our other guests, uh, Mr. Charles C. Um, he is actually CEO, founder and CEO of an organization called Stop the Pain. Um, but he's uh, been very active in Cleveland for a number of years. Um, says he spent 42 years uh, working at the Lutheran Metropolitan Ministries, running the organization's community reentry program. So uh, Charles has been very involved um, uh, in working with victims of, of uh, trauma. Um, and we wanted to bring uh, Charles on to the platform. Charles, are you with us? Yes, oh, there sir. you are. Hey, yeah. How are you doing this evening? Thanks for joining us. I'm fine. Yeah. Good evening to you, Doctor. Good evening to uh, fellow panelists and to your listening audience. Yeah. Thank you. So, so tell us about Stop the Pain, your organization. What, what's that all about? What kind of work are you doing? Yeah. Stop the Pain is a small nonprofit that works uh, in the community working with youngsters and young adults that are either the victim of or, poss- or potential perter- uh, perpetrators of gun violence. Before I say a little more about that, Doctor, I do want to say, uh, I want to commend uh, Ms. Simpson for the work that she's doing over at, uh, at Metro Health. That is vitally, certainly vitally needed. A lot of the uh, shootings, as she knows, and you probably know yourself, Doc, are retaliatory in nature. So if you can catch that, you know, right there at the hospital and begin to help families heal and to address problems that they're having there, it, it goes a long way to, to, mediate, to mitigate what may be happening subsequently uh, back out in the community. So I you know, want to commend her and her team over there. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, Stop the Pain has been around for, for several years. I, as, as you mentioned earlier, I spent 44 years with the Lutheran Metropolitan Ministry working with men and women returning to the community after a period of incarceration. We uh, modeled a national program where we utilized those folks with lived experiences, uh, putting them back into the community to work with others uh, there who could who could model uh, a different way of life, having come through the, the narrow channels of, of uh, that reflect a lot of uh, community violence, where these older individuals could say to younger individuals you know this is a this is a this is a path that's going to be less treacherous than the one that i walked and i'd like to walk with you and help you along this path you know we need more individuals like you we need more organizations out there trying to engage 
and again, I, I always reference young people because a lot of the victims of crime and the perpetrators of crime are the, the younger generation, um, teens and, and, and 20s. Um, so, you know, um, how, how many people are working uh, in your not-for-profit organization, Stop the Pain? Well, we, we, we have a, uh, a bevy of volunteers now. Our, our staff has been uh, reduced. Uh, we just finished our last grant oh, about four or five months ago. And but those people that were working with us, many of them continue to volunteer. And we're always looking in the community for, for volunteers. I believe, Doc, that we have got we being the Edo community, we've got to own the behavior of our children. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. to to look at it from afar and to say, boy, ain't it awful. It, it just won't cut it. I think this is going to be a person to person, door to door effort <clears throat> where men will have to. Uh, build relationship with boys, two or three men, perhaps to one boy mm -hmm. and walk that youngster through mm -hmm. that gauntlet. It's just not it's, it's just not enough anymore to, to sit down and to lecture or to point out to youngsters, you know, the right and wrong of the issue. We have got to walk, I believe, alongside youngsters and really and really model the behavior, give youngsters something to do and engage them. But we've got to be present in order to influence youngsters. I believe you've got to be present with them. You know, it's uh, it's seven o'clock at night now. How many adults are really out on the street where young people are that can mm -hmm. and build relationships, that can can guide and direct youngsters? We've got to get out in the trenches and get and and, and lay hands on young folks and say, "Son, come on, walk with me for a while." Mm -hmm. I believe that. Doc. Are, are you seeing? Um, and again, I, I read the statistic that women are mo most likely. Um, victimized by by uh, crime are are you seeing also it seems like in the, in the news i'm seeing more and more examples uh, where young females are also uh, perpetrators of crime is that a trend that you're seeing I see, yeah we see it we see an in, we see an increase in in that but women uh, young women are also uh significant amount uh being victimized we see a lot of domestic violence uh, is on the is on the increase so while we do see women participating in and in more uh, horrific kinds of crimes, the women are becoming shooters and perpetrators. Uh, that yeah, that is on the increase. Say you know, ten years ago, definitely. Okay. Well, we're going to take a real quick break here um, because this is music and medicine. We wanted to actually show um, a, a video of um, an individual everybody knows. Um, um, musician who actually uh, his life was ended um, by gun violence, uh, uh, John Lennon. Yeah. So Russell, if you can just uh, play this video for us.
Yeah, Russell, thanks for showing that video. John Lennon was one of my favorite artists. Um, and obviously he was beloved by, you know, the entire world. Uh, yes. December the 8th, 1980, I, I was um, a sophomore in college. And I know most of you don't don't believe um, that it was that long ago that I'm that, I'm that old to have been a sophomore. But uh, yeah, I, I was a sophomore in college. We're, we're talking, you know, 40, 43 years ago. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, it um, was that long. It was that long ago. Yeah, you you just wonder what kind of music he would have made um, mm -hmm. had this not happened. Just totally unfortunate. And then, and as I said, I lived in New York City, and mm -hmm. you know, I visited um, you know Central Park and and the Dakota, you know, outside where it all occurred. Um, preventable, you know, preventable. Yeah. Um, men yeah. Mental and, illness. And yes. Yeah, that's the tragedy that that what we see now happening so often is preventable. Yeah. You know, and, and which which I think is a, a clarion call to the mm -hmm. community of folks uh, who uh, who think that this should not be. I mean, th mm -hmm. this this problem belongs to us it and is. we have got to we have got to assemble. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we want our institutions, uh, you know, to step up and provide the necessary resources. But I like to think about this and what I ask the community, what does community as parents look like? I'm in so many discussions where people say, well, you know, it's the, it's the parents fault. It's, you know, it, it starts in the home, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, that's true. Some of it. But what uh, but what happens when it's obvious that there's not sufficient resources in the home to parent mm -hmm. that child? Then we've got to, that being the case. We got to start to think about community as parent. And I mm -hmm. say that any child that I am in the presence of for that time, I am that child's parent. And therefore, I have some responsibility to that child to protect protect that child, to guide that child, to lead that child, or if nothing else, just to stand beside that child and see to it that that my behavior is reflecting a value that I hope that they will incorporate into their behavior. So you know, so collectively, as we sit down, Doc, I believe we've got to start to ask ourselves as a community on this street, this block club. I'm some, I'm talking door to door. There are two children living up the street. And we know that unless there is some positive interventions that those youngsters will either wind up dead or mm -hmm. in prison. But at this age, we've got enough resources to impact that, to, to intervene, to see to it that that doesn't happen. That becomes my responsibility because mm -hmm. I know it. And this is the child up the street from me. 
And certainly I always say, if you put me and two other men in relationship with two teenage boys, I know who's going to be the leader of that group. I'm going to be the leader <laughs> yes. of that group. Exactly. We're not going to be shooting up and down the street at each other. We will find things to do out at Nassau. We'll find yeah. something to do over at the History Museum. We will find some other things to do other than in, 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 in involve ourselves in street violence and shooting at one another. So, I mean, the solution is more than just getting more um, police officers, uh, law enforcement officers. We, we have to start earlier and, and intervene and, and, and be part of that child's life. It seems like, um, in, in many respects, it seems like society or individuals are, are afraid to get involved. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. And in some cases, they, they certainly are. And, and with good reason. But yeah. I think, though, you know, we organized uh, we organized a program. Uh, this was this was years ago. It's called it was called Not All Cops, Not All Kids. And we were doing resettlement teams. And we find that in, in point, you make an excellent point, Doc, that folks uh, would like to be involved, but they they're a little afraid to. Well, mm -hmm. Everybody doesn't have to go face to face or chest to chest with an individual. They can mm -hmm. be part of a support group and provide what I call backroom services. They mm -hmm. can be identifying resources. They can do. They can research college campuses. They can uh, see what 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 what's needed in that home. They can make phone calls while you have a primary person that's in that relationship that's working with that young man that's going hand in hand. You got a three person team, three people working with one child can make a huge difference and you can do that. So I ask, I'm asking folks to take a look on your street, hmm. in your church, in your neighborhood, in your family to see, you know, what is it that the three of us can do for that one young man up the street that we know if he doesn't get, or, or, or a young woman, if they don't get some positive intervention, life is not going to go well for them. And this is something that we can do. You don't have to you, you don't have to have a, a professional background. We're talking about what does it what does caring for a child look like in everyday life? You know, come on, son, sit down on the porch. How are you this morning? Yeah. So, Me so Megan, uh, you know, I have a thought here. Yes. <laughs> you know. Looks like we need to, you know, Metro needs to partner with Charles C., you know, and his organization. Somehow. Well, and Mr. C., I mean, you're, you're, you're saying all the right things. It's, I think we sometimes think too much about it, that you have to have so much education. It's really just humans connecting with other humans. Exactly. And how do we just get back to the basic foundation level of, I care about you. I care about your well-being. Yes. How can I help? Because I think we disempower ourselves when we say, oh, I'm not, and I'm not saying everyone should always go out of their scope, but we actually can make such a big impact on just yes. showing up and being a person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Showing up and being a person. Yeah. And love mm -hmm. is instructive. You'll know the right thing to do. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm in a situation, I got a child with me and there's a situation there, it's a good, pretty good chance I'm going to be able to figure out what that child's here what's needed in this situation and it may need to get he's hungry let's get you mm -hmm. something to eat and let's find out why you are continuously hungry you don't mm -hmm. need a you don't need a phd in order to be able to get the figure get that figured out so charles if somebody wanted to partner with you or become a volunteer uh, tell, tell tell us again how how they can reach out to your organization. Uh, yeah i got two numbers uh one is uh 216 one four zero two and at the office the same area code two one six 
205-475-4739. Okay. Yeah, and, and this is what, and, and, and we start working, and, and, the, and so if someone would call my office, I would ask, tell me about the youngsters that live on your street. You know, tell me about the the, the church that's that, that's on that's in your block, and let's identify some kids, and then let's see how we make connections with those kids. And in some cases, the courts make referrals and say, "I've got some kids here that need some a positive interaction uh, with adults. How do you do that?" You know, then if we if we've got volunteers, we can connect those volunteers with those kids. But anybody interested, I would turn them back back right on the street that they live on and say, what's going on on your street? What's mm -hmm. happening right there? And then we and, can you know, some, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, no, no, no. I mean, I, I was saying, and, and, you know, we're talking about how obviously the, there are higher rates in the inner city. We talked about the certain zip codes, but this is not just limited. I mean, gun violence, uh, homicides are not just limited to the inner city. They're occurring in all areas of, of you know Absolutely. our region and, and the country so we have to be aware of that as well Absolutely. yeah and 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 we we're up against a culture of violence these days mm. it's it's kind of normal i mean you walk up the number of young people that, that i encounter that have that have guns in their waistband i i i am i am amazed and appalled by and it's just the and then the you know and the the law that the governor passed where now you can carry concealed weapons you know, you don't have to reveal to a police officer if you are armed. If you can put, you can possess a weapon. I, I take the, I take the, the, the premise when I'm out in the community and I don't carry a firearm. But when I'm out in the community, I carry, uh, the, I operate from the premise that everybody is armed. The guy that's blowing at me, I was coming home, I was sitting at the light. I stopped to give uh, a gentleman a couple of dollars who was standing at the corner. And the guy behind me was blowing his horn, blowing his horn, blowing his horn. I said, I'm, 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 I won't respond. I'll go on because there's a good, there's a good chance that this guy is armed. Yeah, you know, road rage. Yeah, road yeah. rage. Wherever we go, you know, folks, it's, it's the culture that we live in. And we so I wanted, we have a, so we have another guest I wanted to to bring on, um, Mr. Eric Sofer. Are, are you with us? Uh, or Eugene Sofer? I apologize, Mr. Eugene Sofer. Um, oh, are you there? <laughs> Oh, here, there you yeah, go. Yeah, I'm here, Doc. What's happening? Yeah, yeah there, there you are, Eric. I mean, Eugene. Uh... I was there, Eric. Okay, okay, Columbus. Okay, Dr. Okay. Columbus Short. <laughs> exactly. So, um, <laughs> so Eugene. Martin, thank you. Yes. Brother. How you doing? No, thanks for being with us. Um, thanks for having me. So, um, Eugene is an illustrator, a cartoonist. I, I, I've seen some articles about you online. Um, you've had some feature art exhibits. Yes, um, yes. There was, um, I'm just looking, you've had uh, at the Chagrin Arts um, um, in Main Street and Chagrin Falls. You, you've had Chagrin um, Falls, yeah. Yeah. Where, where else? Well, okay. First of all, thank you, uh, Dr. Modlin, for having me on the show. Shout out to Mr. C and Miss Simpson. Um, well, first of all, they gave me my first art gallery show in Chagrin Falls. Now, they gave me a little back history of it and everything. I told them, hey, listen, I've been black my whole life. I already know the background of it, okay? <laughs> so I brought a little color to that atmosphere there. And it just so happens to be on the day of Juneteenth slash Father's Day. <laughs> okay. So I have a quote from you. 
I have a quote from you in that was published um, in the newspaper. It says, and, and I quote, you say, the only thing I know how to do is to reach the world through my drawings. My cartoons are a reflection on life. You might look at yourself and you and see yourself in the cartoon. So you're, you're all, you also have um, a coloring book that you're using to reach our youth uh, children. And, and I have it also. <laughs> I know you do. Listen, okay. Okay. Yes. Uh oh. Look at that. Yeah, that's my that's that that's my pass to get me in the door everywhere. Okay. Right there. So tell us about okay, it. So, okay, so basically what I did was is I came up with this coloring book called The Bear That Cares. Now, if anybody's familiar, if you ride around your inner city, you see a teddy bear that's on the pole. Now, what that does is that represents gun violence, kids dying. Every neighborhood that I would go across the country, all around Cleveland, every hood, everywhere. I got tired of seeing that. So I came up with the idea of drawing a teddy bear that's on the pole and he comes to life. And when he comes to life, he goes into the inner city, uh, head of the uh, household, which nine times out of 10 is the grandmother and swears that he'll do everything possible to not get back on that pole. So I touch on everything from gangs to gun violence, to mental health, to uh, uh, um, to anything that's got a chokehold in the community. See, I was doing it myself, but like I was saying before, like if they see me speaking, they're gonna wanna beat me up or, you know, like the youth don't have no respect for the old, the old. And I and and I really don't blame them for a lot of it because a lot of us have let them down. I mean, now, Doctor Molly, I mean you, you you know you 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 are uh, inspiration. You know, saying you 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 something that somebody can look up to and say that this is something that I can be. But there's a lot of people out there that didn't have that in their life. They don't have the blueprint. You know, I was fortunate to have my father in my life. So I knew what it was to be a man. I knew what it was to be a black man. Yeah. And I knew what it was to do the how to maneuver out here. But the thing is, is that the young people out here, they don't have no blueprint. Now I work down, well, I don't work, I'm sorry. I do volunteer work at the juvenile detention center. Wednesdays, Thursdays, and even on Sundays. Yeah, when the Browns play. <laughs> but I'm but okay, go Browns. <laughs> but my thing is, is that the reason why I do this is because see, I can sit back in my couch and I can flick the news, and the news look like it needs to be on pay per view. How yeah. I was on uh, all the violence that goes on. I can sit back and I can go, oh, what can I do? What can I do? See, I once was them. I know what it is to be scared not to know that if you're going to make it, you know what I'm saying? Are you trying to go to school and you trying to not fit in and you can't be you because if you be you, you're going to get killed for that. You know, and it's like, it, it, it's, I understand what the youth is going through. So I made it to this age. I feel it's only my duty to, to, to give back. Hmm. Yes, I, mean, I don't have no money, so I can give you some kind of knowledge. And like I said, the best way I could be able to talk to 
children and adults was to come up with this coloring book. And it's kind of like, I'm not going to say it's the blueprint, but it's kind of like a, you look through it and you might see something in you that, 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 that you might see that, that you got to check within yourself, Hmm. you know, because people might look at it and say, okay, well, he's being this, he's being that, but if the little cartoon saying it, you know, a little Hmm. teddy bear being all cute about it, telling you to be a good father and be in your child's life and be a good mother and all that stuff. I'll tell you, I I mean, you know, when you showed me this book, um, it's just, it's a no brainer that we need to get this in the hands of our kids in in our school system, Cleveland school system, other school systems in in daycares. And again, we we need an adult in in most situations to sit down and and go through the book with them while the kids coloring it and kind of explain what they're seeing. Oh yes, Um, definitely. definitely. at what age? At what age is this directed for? This is directed from anyone that's from eight to eighty. You know, say anybody that got the comprehension to know that the stove is hot. Anybody old enough to know that they got somebody who they trust and love that might have uh, made them feel uncomfortable. Anybody that got comprehension <laughs> skills, <laughs> this book is this this book is for you. This is it's old enough for you. Now I don't do nothing graphic. I don't even glamorize guns. Even if I show a person with a gun, I show a finger or anything. Yeah. You know, it, it, in my book, I touch, I touch on even stuff for the adults to understand. Like when you get pulled over by the police and you're a black person, mm-hmm. if I may, if you're black and you get pulled over by the police or whatever, have your license and your insurance. Yeah. Why are you arguing with the police? And they're not the judge. Look, get your ticket and go home. You know, you got a lot of police officers that are good. I've met a lot of police officers that that are good. Absolutely. And even when I and even in the past when I was bad, I ran across some good ones. Okay. Absolutely. But I understand there is some bad ones. But see, you have to understand. In my in my opinion, the police are. The police are like exterminators. And you have to understand, they have the power to be the judge and the jury. Yeah, I know Tupac made a song called Only God Can Judge Me, but yeah, whatever. If that was the case, you wouldn't have a court date. But what I'm saying is that if the police pull you over, there's no need to fight the power and try to be all militant and remembering all about Mark. They arrested Martin Luther King, man. They arrested Jesus, all that. So what you got to do is yes, officer, here's my license, here's my insurance. What I did wrong, okay, boom, go home. Fight it with the judge. But mm. see, a lot of us people put ourselves in wrong positions. And when we put ourselves in messed up positions, then we wonder why. Now, see, by me talking like this, they, <laughs> ooh, you understand me? And before you know, so, so that's why I can't do but so much whatever. That's why I got this coloring book. Hmm. The little bear that cares, anything that's got a chokehold on the community, mental health is the biggest problem worldwide. Black, white, whatever. What's killing us is mental health. We have nothing. We don't even. Dr. Moly, if you remember when I told you when I first met you, I even got a selfie with you because I told you, you are the reason 
I got myself together. I was like mm-hmm. every other typical black man out here, scared to go to the doctor, didn't want to take care of himself or nothing. But I looked at you and said, man, the, the head doctor is doing his thing and focusing on us. Man, I got to do something. And that's what I'm trying to say is, man, is that we got so many people, man, that hurting us. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, like us is hurting us. Yes. Yeah. So we got so we got to do something to make a move. Now you playing John Lennon, right? Mm-hmm. John Lennon, powerful man. And they got rid of him. Why? Because he was standing for something. Peace. You know, do you know the year he died? 1980. I'm sorry. Do you know the date he died? December the 8th. Oh, that's when he died, December the 8th? December the 8th. Do you know 1980. That I don't remember. He was 41 years old, I believe. He was who? I think he was okay, 41 years point, old. Yeah. Okay, the point I was getting to was that I, I used to listen to the Beatles and everything, and I mm. used to know how John Lennon, but what I'm saying is this. See, instead of, instead of us finding one leader, we got to be our own leader. When mm. I go to talk to those juvenile detentions, the... the the misunderstood, that's what I'm going to call them. When I talk to the misunderstood, man, all they talk about is trying to be something. Mm-hmm. But they can't because if they got mm-hmm. so many, if they got so many siblings living in a household and they got different fathers or whatever, and they're not in their life, well, now your siblings become your competition. And now mm-hmm. y'all fighting for your mama's love. But then your mama mad at you because you look like your father. Hmm. You Vicious cycle. Saying? Vicious cycle. Or, then yeah. you met, or, or she mad at the daughter because the daughter started to look better. Now the new boyfriend probably looking at the little girl. Hmm. Let me tell you something. I mean this with the... Uh, I, I voted today. And they had an issue... I don't even want to get into it, but my thing is I feel as a man, like I don't like I don't have nothing to say on this. The roughest thing on this earth, I believe, the hardest thing on this earth is to be a female. Black, white, whatever. If you're a female, that's got to be the hardest job on this earth. You understand me? So mm-hmm. when you got a woman out here that got to be the father and the mama, but she can't because she's still mad because she's trying to find the right man to, to, to take care of the kid and men don't want to take care of, the, of their children because it's like, I don't know what it is. It's just they mad at the situation and, and, I, and, I, and I talk to even men and I go, don't you know that your children is a better version of you? Well, a lot of them don't have, haven't had any role models. Like you say, I mean, their, their fathers were absent and they haven't had a lot of role models. So I think that perpetuates the vicious cycle in many hey, situations. Doc. You know, what I, heard, Doc, I was talking I about as community as parent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, understanding that, what does community as parent look 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 like? Mm-hmm. You know, as Eugene was saying, you know, we, we have those, uh, you know, those losses in the household, but a community can make up for that. Yeah. You know, now there's enough. This, like he's, doing, not, he's down at juvenile detention home. Mr. C, now let me yes, add, now let me let me piggyback on what you're saying like this. Okay. Now you're saying the community. You're saying the same community that they let out child molesters and put them in your neighborhood and they ain't supposed to be nowhere near no school or anything. 
or you got people that come in your neighborhood that don't care. Like we live in the player hater capital. Cleveland, I mean, it's worldwide, but I'm talking about right now where I'm at. You understand me? You got a lot of self-hate here. You got all these organizations out here that claim they want to help, but they don't do nothing. Well, see, see, so I, I, I believe, I believe they have a lot of good intentions, and and I think it's our responsibility. You no, know, no, I'm not saying uh, them all. I'm yeah. not saying them all, sir. I'm yeah, not saying yeah. them all, Doc. I'm not saying right. it all. And, and by all means, please, I don't want to seem like I'm I'm bashing anything. Hmm. I'm not saying everyone, but what I am saying to you is this: we're not blind, okay? We all we need mental health help, okay? Hmm. I'm not speaking so, for all blacks, but I'm right. talking for out there, okay? When yeah, I, I think what well, I think, yeah. I mean, I think it's important that we raise awareness about a lot of these, the the violence, the escalating rates of, of violence. Highlight, you know, the work you're doing, the work Charles is doing, the work Megan is doing, and and come together to to make positive strides to uh, address a lot of these issues. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think historically maybe there's been a lot of talk and not enough action, but but I think we need to take a different approach and 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 try to come together, not work independently, work work in partnership and collaboration. You know, I, I think that way we're going to get a lot more done. We're going to accomplish a lot, you know, a lot more. So Eugene, tell tell us how people can get a hold of your book. Tell us again okay. how people can get a hold of your book. Okay, well. If you want to go ahead and get to me directly, you can get at me at thebeartocares.net. That's my website. Or you can go to on Amazon and type in the coloring book, The Bear to Cares. Okay. Um, I'm on Instagram as The Bear to Care. I'm also on Twitter as uh, Eugene Sofer, the brother you hate to love. And I'm also on Facebook, Twitter. Now, I'm going to wrap this up by saying this. A lot of this gun violence is because people hate themselves. You have walking abortions out here that are killing themselves. And by killing themselves, they kill who they look like. So, um, Megan... Uh, I'm sure like in your, in your work and, and the work of your team, you encounter a lot of young kids, um, you know, their parents or, or, or older siblings or, or victims uh, of violence. They themselves are, are victims of violence. You know, I, I mentioned to Eugene, I, I think this book would be great um, for that, for us to distribute it at Metro health. Um, so I'm going to work within the system and, and, and see if we can get a supply of these books. And, and I want I want to get get you one of these books so you can take a look at about look at the book and and, and see if this is something that you can work in, into, you know, your your toolkit in, in terms of when you're working with these, especially these younger kids. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this has been a great uh, program. I think we, we've um, talked about a lot of very, very important topics, again, unpleasant topics, but uh, nonetheless, a very important um, I actually encourage you to go to my website, um, drmaudlinmd.com, um, to um, engage me. Um, we have our annual Minority Men's Health Fair coming up uh, April the 25th uh, at Metro Health. Um, we want to make sure everybody uh, 
is aware of that free preventative health screenings. Um, I'd like to thank, um, you know, Megan Simpson, uh, Metro Health Trauma Recovery Center uh, for joining us. Um, Eugene Sofer, the illustrator of the bear that cares. And um, obviously, you know, of course, Mr. Charles C. Um, Charles, I'd, I'd like to become a volunteer uh, with your organization. So you know how to find me as well. So I do. Um, Excellent. Doc. Yeah. Out outstanding. So, I mean, there, there's more that we all can do. Uh, collectively, you know, takes a village. Um, so we're, we're going to close out the show. We, we want to encourage everybody to um, spread the word about this show. Um, music and medicine, we have several more uh, important episodes and topics to discuss. Uh, um, so again, we're on Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, YouTube Live. Um, so with that in mind, we actually want to close out the show um, highlighting another uh, very important uh, individual uh, musician, uh, icon, uh, who was also a victim. Um, his life was ended due to uh, gun violence, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Tupac uh, Shakur. So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And um, we'll close out the show uh, listening to Tupac. When I was pregnant in jail, I thought I was going to have a baby and the baby would never be with me, but I was acquitted a month and three days before Tupac was born. I was real happy because I had a son. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the streets. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Suspended from school, I'm scared to go home. I was a fool with the big boys breaking all the rules. Shed tears with my baby sister Over the years we was bored and other little kids And even though we had different daddies The same drama when things went wrong we blamed mama I reminisce on the stress I caused It was hell Hugging on my mama from a jail cell And who thinking elementary? Hey, I see the penitentiary One day, running from the police That's right Mama catch me, put a whoop into my backside and even as a crack fiend, mama, you always was a black queen, mama. I finally understand for a woman it ain't easy trying to raise a man. You always was committed, a poor single mother on welfare. Tell me how you did it, there's no way I can pay you back. But the plan is to show you that I understand. You all appreciate it. Don't you know when love is Dear mama. Now ain't nobody tell us it was fair No love for my daddy cause the coward wasn't there He passed away and I didn't cry Cause my anger wouldn't let me feel for a stranger They say I'm wrong and I'm heartless But all along I was looking for a father, he was gone I hung around with the thugs And even though they sold drugs They showed a young brother love I moved out, started really hanging I needed money of my own, so I started slanging I ain't guilty, cause even though I sell rocks It feels good putting money in your mailbox I love paying rent when the rent's due I hope you got the diamond necklace that I sent to you Cause when I was low, you was there for me You never left me alone because you cared for me And I can see you coming home after work late You're in the kitchen trying to fix us a hot plate just working with the scraps you was given And mama made miracles every Thanksgiving But now the road got rough, you're alone You're trying to raise two bad kids on your own 
And there's no way I can pay you back But my plan is to show you that I understand You all appreciate it And dear mama You all appreciate it Pour out some liquor and I reminisce Cause through the drama I can always depend on my mama And when it seems that I'm hopeless You say the words that can get me back in focus When I was sick as a little kid To keep me happy there's no limit to the things you did And all my childhood memories Are full of all the sweet things you did for me And even though I act crazy I gotta thank the Lord that you made me There are no words that can express how I feel You never kept a secret Always stayed real And I appreciate how you raised me And all the extra love that you gave me I wish I could take the pain away If you can make it through the night There's a brighter day Everything will be alright if you hold on It's a struggle every day Gotta roll on There's no way I could pay you back But my plan is to show you that I understand You all appreciate it Dear mama You all appreciate it Dear mama Dear mama